All right, welcome in. Cube Show Podcast, a college football podcast coming to you on Sundays. Good to be with you. Glad to be with you. And uh, always appreciate you guys tuning in. we got a lot to get to today on the show. We're going to cover our top five offensive lines in the Southeastern Conference heading into 2023. And then I want to kind of just go through that position, look at each school, why it matters, why it's a big deal, why it's something maybe we should pay a little bit more attention to. Um, and then just kind of talk about each group, specifically some that are changing and what they're going to look like and what's going to be different about what they're doing. Uh, so we'll go through that give you some camp updates. Again, these camp updates are not going to necessarily be every school every week. A couple of you guys last week asking me if I left a few schools out. I'm not going to make things up to give you. If I get something from a certain school that I like and I think it's good and you'd be interested in that, I'm going to share it with you. We got seven or eight schools, nine, ten schools we're going to share stuff with today. Talk about that, and then we'll get to uh, the rest later in the week or another week. Uh, and then we're going to start previewing games here coming up in a week or so. we got a big announcement coming this week. So later in the week, we may have an extra bonus pod. Pay attention. Keep on lookout for that. At Cube Show Instagram, at Cube Show Twitter, uh, Cube Show 61 on the YouTube. I think we're creeping up close to 4,500 subscribers. Maybe we can get to 5,000. We're not going to be at 100 or 200 like a lot of people by the season, but – we're just sitting here trying to grow. Also, shout out listener Dustin. The first uh, gift to the show was this beautiful hat that was made for us. So uh, we're definitely appreciative of that. Any gifts you want to send in, let us know. We can give you where to send that. But uh, this one's scary, interesting, and fun all at the same time. And as you guys know, speaking of hats each and every week, we're brought to you by our friends at Wickles Pickles because they are wickedly delicious in your local grocery store wickles.com great to snack on great recipes on their instagram wickles pickles uh at wickles pickles go check that out you can find a lot of beautiful things that they do the ways that they make them they got the relish they've got the okra wickles man they're incredible we love them we always have a bottle in the fridge that we snack on on a regular basis all right let's get into some camp news for you a lot happening around around the sec and with uh, a lot of different teams. Uh, we'll start with South Carolina. A little bit concerned about hearing that Juice Wells and, of course, Knox are a little bit banged up. Uh, tied in the transferred in from Arkansas in Trey Knox and then Juice Wells, best wide receiver in the SEC, in my opinion. I don't believe that this is going to keep those two out of the first game, but you just wonder reps and then how much they might be able to play. Is it going to affect something like that? I don't really know, but – I don't like hearing that those two aren't practicing and they're, they're two of the leaders of this football team two of the, the pieces of this football team. They're going to make them go this year, plain and simple. Uh, just don't like hearing that. I am hearing great things about the secondary. And I think it's a group that's really way underrated. Uh, DQ Smith, Nick, Imanawari are both having big camps in that side of the football, getting some big wins, especially on the back end. So a real positive for Shane's group there with the way the secondary has been rolling through camp. Uh, quarterback, like I said last week, confidence, feel, all just better than what it has been. So offensive line is apparently coming around a little bit. The uh, you know Nick Ligori, the the Ivy League transfer, is living up to expectations. Mean, nasty, physical. He's bringing a little something extra to that group. I think they're still trying to piece their best five together. Um, just trying to replace some from last year, and then who you lost in the spring. You got a couple portal kids coming in, so they'll fill that out. And that's another reason that I think Knox is so big because he's going to be able to help you at the line of scrimmage. He's not a devastating blocker, 
but by no means afraid to do it and afraid to mix it up. So they need to get him back in there. Um, Arkansas, where Knox came from. Another interesting team, just based on some of the differences, and we'll talk about the offensive line, kind of what it's going to be, why it's going to be big as far as what they're going to do. Uh, the, the wide receivers that are, are coming in through the portal, lower level football guys like Andrew Armstrong, Isaac Tesla, um, Tesla, apparently physical, not afraid to go after guys, but they have been what they hope for in fall camp, which is great for a guy like KJ Jefferson, who I think is really going to benefit from this offense. I think the offense is going to look more pro stylish, um, think sort of Bill's Eagles. If you want to try to make a comp or comparison of how it's going to look, I I don't think it's going to look as college-y as it did last year. It'll look a little more pro-style, a little more NFL-like. And KJ's really going to be able to benefit from that. Got to get some pass catchers. Um, I think that's going to help. They got the Tyrone Broden kid, 6'7", runs over 20 miles an hour. Don't know how it's going to play out in the SEC. A lot of times we talk about these, look how big guys at different positions and it, it just doesn't always work out. And But he's a guy that apparently has done some things that people are excited about and could be someone that helps them once they get rolling in camp. So sort of keep that in mind. Uh, real depth on the defensive line is another thing I hear about Arkansas in camp. They're excited about that. We know Jeff Coates, a dude. Like, we've seen him at Missouri. Uh, Anthony Booker, the Maryland transfer, coming on, going to be a guy who really helps. Uh, just like Jay Shaw Stewart is going to help as well. So um, I think they finally have a backup quarterback for now, too. So they can actually go run the offense knowing that there's somebody who could come in for a series or a game and they're not going to have to really just revamp everything that they do. That's also a plus for what Arkansas has seen so far in camp. Offensive line working itself together. I think they have an idea who the five are going to be. And then the tight end room, apparently pretty crowded with competition. Uh, the Lucas freshman that's going to come in and probably get some playing time. You guys know what I think about Varkis Gums, the North Texas tight end. I think it's going to be really now just how do they use him? Because uh, he's done a lot of good things in camp that they like. They understand how physical he is, how fast he is, how athletic he is. It's just, is he going to be in line? Is he going to be split out? Are they going to move him? But he will help this football team this year. Make no doubt about that. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch just kind of what Arkansas turns into offensively. And that's another reason I want to talk about these O-lines because they're one that's going to change. Same with South Carolina, who we just talked about. So how much is going to be on that group? Um, Auburn, scrimmage yesterday, some good things. There are a lot of people that are reading a lot into this particular Hugh Freeze quote and what he said about his quarterbacks. Now, I don't necessarily look at it the exact way that a lot of other people do, but this is this is what Coach Free said about the QBs. Uh, yesterday, I had my mind made up, <laughs> and after today, I, I need to watch the film before I I, uh, I say. So Free saying yesterday, I had my mind up on my top two quarterbacks. After today, I need to look at the film. Um, I I don't think that changes who the top quarterback is. I just think it's him doing his due diligence and going and looking at how the guys practice before he goes out and says something that maybe he regrets or doesn't want to say or shouldn't say. But I don't think it changes anything. I think Peyton Thorne's a starting quarterback. I do think Holden Gardner has had an amazing camp. And I think that overall ability, ceiling, things he's capable of doing, he's probably that dude. He's probably that guy. Um, but that means the best quarterback on the roster right now. Make no mistake, that's still Peyton Thorne. 
Robbie Ashford will, will most likely have a package of plays that he's going to be able to contribute with and be a part of the team with, but I don't view him as really competing for the number one quarterback spot. And I wouldn't be surprised if Holden Garner is the next guy in who can actually go and operate the offense more successfully. So, but Holden has come a long way and he is pushing and he is opening eyes. It's just Peyton Thorne is the quarterback and the guy who knows how to run things and operate things and do all the different things. He might not be able to throw it as far or as accurate or as hard, but he's going to be able to operate the offense in a more successful manner. Uh, running back looks like a deep position. Jarkis Hunter back out with the team now. Brian Batty, we, we tried to tell you about him here on the show and, and what we had heard about him in South Florida. Uh, just versatile, can do things out of the backfield, runs bigger than he is, very shifty. Damari Alston had a big scrimmage yesterday, a couple breakaway runs. He's going to be your perimeter guy that can really do some things from an explosive play standpoint. And Sean Jackson got a little bit of run. He's somebody who can potentially help this team out as well. Um, the wide receiver's still coming on. I mean, I still feel good about it collectively. Uh, I think Auburn's in a better spot at the wide receiver position than they've been in oh, a while. I don't even want to put a year on it or how many years it's been, but it has been quite some time. And Jay Fair is somebody who's opening some eyes. Shane Hooks, the uh, transfer from Jackson State, is opening some eyes. Loose, can big catch radius, doing some, some good things. Uh, Rodevaldo Fairweather. Guy we've been high on since we went and watched his film at FIU, opening some eyes, moving around, uh, high-pointing the football. Uh, Nick Mardner, the Cincinnati transfer, the big 6'6 wide receiver, is going to be utilized. They're going to use that frame, do some different things with him. So they're in good shape. Offensive line, apparently, is having a good camp. There, there are some minor lingering injuries that could be problematic if they go into the season. Not even going to go any deeper than that with it because – Things can obviously change either direction by the time actual football gets here. But I, I do think that I don't like hearing that part because Auburn's not in a position to lose a couple of offensive linemen. And the Northwestern transfer actually looks like he's going to be able to come in and help. Now I don't think he's going to start, but if he could be a rotational guy or someone who fills in a little bit, apparently has versatility, can play both sides, he's somebody who is going might end up being a good get if there is some injury issue at some point in time with that group. They can't be getting offensive linemen banged up right now. They, just, they don't have the depth there to be able to pull that off. Um, Elijah McAllister, big day yesterday. They need him off the edge, man. And he's just he is a, a body type that not a lot of teams have. He's going to be able to remove passing windows with that length. He's like a power forward playing edge. Jalen McLeod has been very difficult to block. The pass rusher from App State, he's somebody who is also going to be a problem. So keep your eyes on him. And what he does early on, because I think from a at least a third down perspective, he's going to be hell on wheels and somebody who helps us Auburn football team. Uh, so just some of the things we're hearing come out of fall camp. But the, from my understanding is the, the chemistry, the continuity, the feel. I guess maybe the buy in is all coming around. And it's something that I know that that coaching staff's excited about right now. Tennessee gets their center Cooper Mays dinged up. Once again, similar to Auburn, not great. The depth of that position is not where Josh Heupel needs it right now. And you don't have a lot of guys who have taken a ton of snaps at center, even though Mays was dinged up a little bit last year. Um, so Dwayne Davis goes down and gets some reps at center. Gerald Mincy apparently going over to right tackle. Um, the John Campbell kid is has been exceptional at camp. And they feel great about him at left. The Miami transfer is going to help that offense in a big way this fall. And just more, more chatter about Dante Thornton, the wide receiver from Oregon. Big, physical, can absolutely run, can high point the football. It's going to be a problem down the field. 
So he's somebody else that I think Tennessee has is seen showing up and, and being maybe more than what they thought he was going to be as he transferred in. But that, that Cooper Mays injury, one to watch as we head early into the season, potentially could keep him out for the opener. We'll see exactly how that plays out. LSU camp, it's been different. Brian Kelly taking a different approach with injuries, a different approach with the media, um, but not a lot of big surprises. Uh, Savion Jones has bulked up a little bit, could potentially be somebody who helps him off the edge. Um, you know, you're not getting um, you're not getting probably who a lot of people thought with the ones in the secondary, like Denver Harris is not out there with the ones, but uh, you are getting Deuce Chestnut and Zy Alexander who are helping and look like they're going to be guys who are real players this fall for Matt House's defense. Um, and then, too, I think over on the offense, Bo Bordland's apparently made some strides on that offensive line, could help add some depth. Uh, Connor Galbraith is a tight end that might bulk up and be sort of your bonus big, like an extra offensive lineman who actually has some, some tight end experience. Think about what Alabama has done with a sort of hybrid tackle tight end the last couple of years. You could maybe use him in that role. And then the other thing with LSU that I guess is not really surprising just because of the numbers is no running back has sort of emerged into that group just yet. Like no running back is the guy and sort of taking that thing and looks like, okay, he's going to go get the rep. There's like eight scholarship running backs and they all seem to be somewhat equal in different ways as far as who's going to go out there and play and who's going to be the guy. Um, Alabama camp scrimmage over the weekend. I think multiple quarterbacks had good days. But I'm still going to go Ty Simpson. I've said that for months now. I'm not going to go back on that. I just think, like we talked about before with Peyton Thorne, he will be one that who can operate the offense in the best way. He'll give them the most opportunities to win and play successful football from the position. Now, Milrose dynamic can do some dynamic things, but I don't necessarily think that that means he's going to be the guy the entire time. So I think Ty Simpson ends up being the guy. Milrow's done some good things in camp. He's done some bad things in camp. I think they've all been a little bit up and down. That's why you bring in extra numbers to go in there and try to compete. Deontay Lawson flying around, making plays. He's somebody I think Alabama really needs on that defense at off-the-ball linebacker, especially if it's inside. He can be a problem just because physically he's so gifted. And everybody in that building's known that for a long time. It's just he may be ready to step into that role and become the next big Alabama linebacker. Uh, Jalen Key, the UAB transfer, doing some good things. and. That one makes sense because as you heard us break him down when he transferred in, he is more of a box safety. And if you're going to be playing more nickel and dime and you have a, a third level defender that's pretty good near the line of scrimmage, you're going to want him on the field more often because you're playing these lighter sets, but you need more guys who can tackle. So I think he's a good fit for teams that know they're going to have to be playing that. When you look at Alabama's schedule, there's a couple of teams that you know are going to pitch the football around. So he'll be big in those games most likely. Um Dallas Turner, Chris Braswell, they're going to be great off the edge. Uh, and Tim Smith apparently coming on a little bit more consistent. Consistency has been his issue for a long time. So you need a little bit more of that. But they got to have somebody outside of Jaheim Motors who's going to help them inside. I think Justin DeBoigby is going to help. I think he's going to be solid. But he's not that big body that we're talking about on the interior of the defensive line that could really disrupt things and be a problem for offensive linemen to take care of. Um, and then the offensive line apparently is – doing what they said they were going to do. You know, they said they wanted to be more physical. They said they wanted to play bully ball. And Terrence Ferguson has taken some of that to heart, and he's come out and looks like he's going to push for a starting spot. Caden Proctor will help. I just think mentally it's going a little fast for him right now, but I just don't know how he's physically not a part of this group. And if it's Ferguson and Proctor in there, I mean, you're talking about a group that's going to average over 320. So, yeah, they should be able to bludgeon you, should be able to push people around, and I think that's going to make them a little bit of a different team. Wide receivers. 
have been a little bit of an issue. Consistency, holding on to the ball, which is something that I never understand when receivers can't hold on to the ball. It's kind of like what you do. But that's been an issue. Drops have been an issue for Alabama thus far through, through fall camp. But they've got good numbers. So the competition may aid that, help that a little bit. But I don't really know exactly how that's going to play out. You don't like hearing that. Uh, the main thing with, with the Georgia camp really and truly has just been running back depth. Kendall Milton dinged up, and you just don't have a lot of healthy numbers out there that you would want to to be able to run your first and second seeing offense the way that you need to. Um, now, I don't think that this is sound the alarm or Georgia's not going to win 10 games type of a thing, but it's just something to kind of watch as we progress through camp. Georgia going to be preseason number one, two-time defending national champions. There's going to be high expectations. And if that's a position that maybe they don't have a lot of depth or it's not the guy that gives them the best chance to win, it could alter things just a tad. Uh, but that's an offensive line I'm interested in talking about as well when we get to not only the top five, but just what the offensive lines are going to mean to each one of these teams. Um, Kentucky, good camp from what I'm hearing so far, which is great because if they can get off to a good start, that schedule should allow them to rack up some wins to the first half of the season. Then you got some massive matchups down the stretch. But uh, Demi Subo Kongbaye, the running back transfer from NC State, is going to help. Uh, I think he's a guy that's shifty with a big enough body to have some, you know, be able to play on all three downs, help him pass pro, uh, have a little bit of power, a little bit of durability, uh, next to Ray Davis and Juton McLean. So that is going to be another transfer in. Mark Stoops, I'm telling you guys, he's batting like 850 in the portal that's going to be able to help this football team. Also, uh, Cortland Ford at tackle, the USC transfer, going to help. Marquez Cox has locked down the left side. That's good. That's done. They're set there. But Cortland Ford is emerging over at the right side. And as we've talked about before, that group gets it figured out. They're going to be just fine. Uh, Trayvon Walker, Trevin Walker, having a big camp at linebacker. Kid's going to be a star. We've already told you about him. If you listen to this podcast every week, you should know who he is. And you should know about him. Uh, the secondary has had a good camp, as I'm, I'm told in my understanding. Uh, Jordan Lovett, big camp, making plays, been active. Zion Childress taking more of a leadership role. Those are both the safeties for the Kentucky defense. So those two making plays, communicating, verbalizing, leadership, like that's big for Brad's White for Brad White's defense. It's absolutely massive because I think there's a little bit of a question for some people coming in, but because of what they're going to have up front and also the defensive line, depth is something that I have been told is a real plus for this Kentucky defense right now. So you got a lot of good things happening for Kentucky here in camp. Uh, for Ole Miss, Kari Coleman off the team. He has some legal issues. He's not going to be there. That definitely hurts from a pass rush perspective. And let's just be real. Bodies on defense are at a premium right now for Ole Miss. You just don't have a ton of guys that are going to be able to make plays. And they are going to be better up front, but he's somebody that could give them some, some an edge presence and be able to help a little bit. So I, I don't like hearing that right now on an Ole Miss defense that we thought was going to be able to take some massive steps this year. And then Aiden Williams, a freshman wide receiver, apparently is wowing everybody. So if you wondered about some of the other transfer wide receivers and sort of what they were going to look like, and what they were going to be able to do. Uh, apparently, now you got a freshman coming in that is going to be somebody who helps a ton. Um, now, Trey Harris, the Law Tech transfer, uh, I hear having a good camp as well. We we told you about the film that we saw. We liked him. Zakari Franklin is a do-it-all kid from UTSA. So Ole Miss could have real numbers at wide receiver and, and not be a problem. Uh, numbers at running back maybe a little bit of a problem. Numbers at linebacker, also a problem. But – 
there are a lot of positives that Ole Miss is seeing thus far. Quarterback, I've said for a while, I think it's done. More and more people are coming around to Jackson Dart being the guy. You have the number one running back in the nation. You have pretty good numbers on your line. You've added some D-line depth. So some of that looks better. Tight end depth should be real this year and something you can actually depend upon and rely upon. But some other issues that I think we're seeing there in camp as well. So that's kind of the camp news that we've got thus far. And speaking of Oxford, uh, that's where you can go see our friends at Blue Delta Jeans, Blue Delta Denim. Um, you stop right in their office right there. They'll measure you. They'll get you set up. You've got custom denim that is made for you. So it's going to fit like it was made for you. It's going to look like it was made for you. And they're stretchy. They're flexible. They're breathable. They're comfortable. I wear them all the time. Uh, you'll probably see me in them a lot this fall. And they're absolutely fantastic. We appreciate Nick and the guys sponsoring the show. And if you need either a gift certificate for dad or you're thinking about an early Christmas present, uh, going back to school, Blue Delta Jeans right there. BlueDeltaJeans.com. The best denim you will ever purchase as long as you live. All right, let's get into our offensive line play real quick. I'm going to rank the top five offensive lines for you guys uh, going into the season out of the SEC. And some of this was easy. Some of this was kind of tough. But we'll talk about some of these groups as well and then just why this position is important for a lot of different teams in the league. So let's start with our top five. Number five was tough. There were four or five teams that I felt like could have ended up here and I felt like I could have gone with here. And we decided to go with Arkansas because of some of the experience that that group's going to have back and what they're going to be. Um, also, just the way that Cody and Sam sort of handle that group. It's The offense will be a little bit different, but I don't think things in the run game are, are going to be dramatically different with how this group operates or in pass pro, really. I think they'll be asked to do a lot of the same things, so that familiarity is going to be big. You've got Joshua Braun coming in from Florida, who I think is going to end up at right guard. That one still may be a little bit open. Uh, Devin Manuel is a super, super, super athletic kid at left tackle. A little bit young at both tackle spots, but that's okay. Uh, you got a busy tight end room that can help with that. You've got a mobile quarterback that can help with that, so teams are going to have to respect Q run. And you got a quarterback that can maneuver and leave the pocket. So draws are also going to keep pass rush at bay. So if you're going to play young tackles, KJ Jefferson's a guy that you want to play young tackles with because you can use him in different ways to sort of offset that pass rush. And it's really going to help out what you want to do. Um, Brady Latham, Bo Limmer inside, as well as Braun. Um, you've got some experience there, both at guard and center. Uh, Bo Limmer has played mostly guard, but he's played some center. So he, he gets it. He understands it. And then Patrick Kudas, will be at the other tackle, another youngster, but a guy with more upside. I think I think this offensive line probably has more upside than the last few that they've had in Arkansas, and they'll still bring that physicality and that nasty. But the reason that they're important is you still do have Rocket Sanders. Keep in mind, I mean, you want to establish the run. You want to get that going. And I, I think one thing that there may be a little bit more emphasis on are north-south runs as far as being able to move the defense, because a lot of what you did with Kendall was east, west, side to side, and then you took advantage of things in between the tackles. Now there may be a little more emphasis of, okay, we're going to lean on you guys to be able to go out and get two, three yards here or to open something up. Then the play action becomes more critical because the defense has to pay closer attention to that just because of the nature in which you're doing it. But I have a lot of confidence in this Arkansas group. Um, I think they will be – I think they're a little bit more important than they were a season ago, which is how this offense is going to operate and how it's going to be a little bit different. But I'm confident they have the bodies to be able to do it just based on what I've seen 
who's going to be back, and then the talent level that they're going to add as well. All right, coming in at number four on my preseason SEC offensive lines, we're going to go Texas A&M. Um, a lot of this is just experience and what we've already seen. You know, we've seen Bryce Foster play center. He's, he's a pretty good football player. Layden Robinson, he's got some really good film out there. He's got some dominant film out there. Ruben Fatherly's got some dominant film out there. And then I think you begin to look at Trey Zoom, Cam Dewberry, uh, Mark Nabu. Uh, there's a couple other guys that could fill in at some of the other spots, but they have numbers because they've recruited well there the last couple of years. And just based on the three that I know for certain, I think this group's going to be fine. You're also keep in mind year two under a new offensive line coach. That makes a huge difference. And if the presentation pre-snap does change, that also helps the offensive line out. Because if you're running outside zone, or hell, even if you're running counter power and you have movement pre-snap, that steals the eyes of those linebackers and they jump a gap or they even take a false step, that gives you the advantage to be able to get out and reach that individual. Or when you pull, you're not going to have to get as wide or take the same kind of an angle. You can make even a little bit of a mistake in your angle to still be able to cut that guy off or be able to go get that block and get the proper hat placement. So it's, I think a lot's going to be on this group, um, probably more so from a pass protection standpoint than just, hey, can you move people and can we run the ball? And that's because of the weapons that you've got with your quarterback and your receivers, um, especially with Anaya Smith who can help in the quick game. Like you just got to keep guys off at bay for a few seconds. But this can be a really good group. It should be a really good group, honestly. And you, know, you, you went from two totally different style offensive line coach. You went from a guy who just did, you know, Josh was a real players coach at USC now. And then, you, you know, you go bring in somebody who is very old school in Coach Adazio, but now you should have been acclimated if there was anything technically fundamentally that changed, it should be second nature. You should be able to take some big strides. So I'm going to go A&M at number four. And I'm interested to see how that group does come together because last year, some of the sloppiness was really a continuity thing, a chemistry thing. It wasn't, it wasn't effort. It wasn't that guys couldn't get it done. It was just kind of that one weak link that leads to a negative play or doesn't lead to an explosive play and only allows you to get six or eight yards. So see if some of those things can correct themselves. Uh, number three, I'm going to go Alabama. And a lot of that just has to do with Tyler Booker and J.C. Latham. I think they can both be dominant. They can both be very good. I think Tyler Booker is the best guard in the SEC right now. J.C. Latham will be one of the best tackles in the league no matter what. Um, where he ends up there depends on how he plays this year, but it could be towards the top. Uh, Seth McLaughlin is a guy that you know, he reminds you of some of those other Alabama centers, like a Bradley Bozeman or William Vallejos. Like He just gets guys blocked. And he's he's not the strongest kid out there. He's not the most athletic. He's not the quickest. He's not going to be the most dominant. But he gets guys blocked. Has a real good understanding of hat placement, hand placement, angles, leverage. That's how he wins. He's a technician. He has to win that way, but he does. Um, now, when you get a couple other guys who begin to emerge, like a Terrence Ferguson, who's a bigger body, it leads me to be a little bit more confident about what you could possibly be. And if Caden Proctor comes on it, 345, 355, whatever he is, this has got a this group's got a chance to be a dominant group. It really does. And now you've had Eric there coaching this group for multiple seasons. So the understanding together should all be similar. You also have some tight ends that can help. You know, CJ Dippery, who comes in from Maryland, Robbie Oots is sort of your, your hard hat guy, like your dirty work guy. He's a guy that can bring a little bit of a different aspect, and Amari Nyblack can help some as well. So I expect this group to have a really good year and they're probably going to need it to because they're going to want to run the football 
and the quarterbacks are going to need play action to be successful at least early on. So they need this group. They're going to lean on this group, and they want that challenge. They've said all offseason they want that challenge. They want to be a group that can go out and make things happen on their own, and now they're going to get the opportunity to do that. But I feel pretty good about that Alabama offensive line. Number two, LSU. We mentioned a couple of the youngsters like Bo Bordlin, who has been coming on in fall camp. Not that he's going to start or take anybody's position, but does add a little bit of depth. Um, I love this group. Uh, we've, we've shared clips of these two tackles, Will Campbell and Emory Jones, and the athleticism that Jones has, uh, the physical specimen that Will Campbell is. You know, I think technically, fundamentally, they should be a lot better than they were a season ago. I mean, the amount of practice, the amount of reps that they've had as a college player comparatively should allow them to really excel. Then you've got Charles Turner and Marlon Martinez, both at center, both guys who potentially could be starters. I think they're, th- those are both starting level players. Miles Fraser should have started last year. He's a little dinged in camp, didn't get to go. Loved his tape at FIU. And then Garrett Dellinger's been around forever. Uh, and you bring in a DJ Chester freshman who potentially could help somewhere at some point in time. So I love this group. Uh, you've got basically six starters back. You It took you four or five games to figure that thing out last year. Now you know exactly what you have. Year two in the system, in the scheme, with the same coach. And Brad does a great job with his offensive line. So there's no reason that this group can't push to be the best in the SEC. They should. And even though the running back thing hadn't played itself out, it might not matter if the running back thing plays itself out because this group has a chance to be that good. Um, Now, I'm not probably going to say that they have the glass eaters individually that a couple of other groups that we've mentioned have, but uh, collectively they're really good across the board, super talented, technically sound, and – I think they're only going to get better just getting more reps up underneath them. And that's something that they didn't have a ton of last year and still made gigantic strides. So LSU would be my number two offensive line coming into the season. And it's no surprise other than to maybe a couple of Georgia fans that potentially try to troll us on a regular basis that Georgia is my number one offensive line coming into this season. I, Coach Charles does a great job with them. Um, they, they brought some real nasty last year. And actually, I've gone back and watched a lot of them uh, this offseason and seeing some of the things that Broderick Jones did, um, just how athletic he was and what what he allowed them to draw up and read at different points in times. But, uh, you know, Xavier Trust has played a lot of football. And you guys have heard me say before, like just physically the way he's put together is like a Greek god. Like he is beyond impressive. Could not be more impressed with Cedric Van Pran when we met with him at SEC Media Days. Hearing him say, and I've gotten confirmation on this, by the way, that he wanted to go back and work his hands, his feet, his hat placement, like all of his fundamentals. He put extra time into that this offseason because he knew he could um, he knew he could you know, improve there. That's not a lot. That's not a thing that a lot of two and three year starters put on themselves in an offseason. But he did. And I think that'll pay off for him. I think it'll be big. Um, Maris Mims, another one that just looks like, hey, God created a tackle with this kid. Tate Rattledge has played a lot of football, been around for a while, had some injuries, but he sort of brings that nasty, you know, he's got a little bit of that Ben Cleveland in him that you just love to see him moving guys around. And whether it's, you know, Blasky or Green at the other tackle, I don't really think it matters. You're going to have multiple tight ends that are going to be able to help this group, not that they really need it. Um, The one thing that I'm interested, though, and when we talk about the versatility of the Georgia offense, the offensive line was a big portion of why they could be that last year. Think about Broderick Jones on some of those slip screens out in the flat. 
he was athletically able to get out there and do that. Some of the read plays where, you know, he would essentially pull the opposite direction when you run a zone play to the right and you read the end and you know, he could get out there in the flat and go pick somebody up outside zone. They were all athletic enough to be able to do it inside zone. They had the power to be able to do it. So I think one of the reasons they were able to be as diverse as they were towards the end of last year and run as much as they did was because of the flexibility of the offensive line. They weren't just a group that mauled you. They were a group that had versatility, could do different things, to do almost everything you asked them to, from professional pass sets to the screen game to different runs, pulling. They were dominant in the pull game. I mean, go back to that Missouri game when they couldn't get zone going. I think they ran one gap scheme run in the first half. They go almost exclusively gap scheme in the second half, minus a handful of zone runs and one or two duos. And then they're out the game because the guys have the ability to pull around, get north and south and find work and be able to make it happen. So. Continuity is going to be big with that group because I think that will go a little bit of, well, I think it'll go a long way in determining just how unique Georgia can be offensively with how big that call sheet is for Mike Bobo this season. But that's going to be the best group in the league going in. They're the most talented group in the league going in. I do think Bama and LSU have a chance to give them a push. A&M, maybe. Um, but they're going to be a solid group and they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. Make no, make no doubts about that. All right, some of the other groups, like, so number five was hard because Ole Miss was in there. Uh, Missouri was in there. Mississippi State was in there. Tennessee was in there. Florida was in there. My understanding is that the Florida group's having a great camp. Um, I just don't know how many glass eaters you have on that group. I don't know how many guys that are just nasty that are going to be able to move people on a consistent basis. But obviously, Kingsley at center, solid, really good football player. Um Mazkua, who comes in from Baylor, he does have some of that in him. He's got some nasty in him. Uh, Damian George, super talented. You guys have heard me talk about him. This is just going to be understanding of scheme and fit. Now, Mazkua did a lot of the same stuff at Baylor. Damian George, not quite as much, but has the ability. He should be able to, to manage and run anything. It's a friendly O-line scheme. A lot of pin and pull and a lot of outside zone. Once you figure out how to do those things together, you can be really good at it and not be an overpowering group. You just don't have to be. And that's kind of the way they've been built for a while. And then when they do become overpowering, it just helps them that much more. So I actually have confidence with the level of talent that they have. And the fact that you essentially have two offensive line coaches down there working with them gives me extra extra confidence that that group's going to be okay as well. But just understand that you have two good running backs. You're going to start with that outside zone scheme. Then you're going to pin and pull and go misdirection. That's going to give you bootlegs. That's why the offensive line is very important. It's not going to be a ton of just straight drop back protection. Um, you get some play action protection. They'll slide the protection a little bit. And every now and then you'll get some of it. But it's not necessarily how they build it out as far as what they want to do first and foremost, which is why Merch is going to have heavy play action, heavy RPO throws. He's going to have some throws on the move. He's not just going to take five, seven step drops, sit in the pocket, identify everything, and then throw the ball after he goes through his progressions. That's not really what he's going to be. So I think this chance, this group has a chance to be better than people think. It's just a matter of can they find some of that rhythm, some of that continuity. You know, we already talked a little bit about the Kentucky group. Um, I do think that center is still a little bit interesting. I mean, Jagger Burton is still a bigger dude, so short yardage, some of those things. It can get weird when you're a taller guy playing center. Eli Cox back at guard is going to be big for that group. I mean, he is someone who just needs to be mowing people down. If they get this fixed, they're going to be a really good football team, bottom line. Um, and really, it's just the right tackle spot that you look at because Horsey's played a ton at guard. 
Eli Cox has played a lot of football. He's back at guard. Burton should be okay at center, but you get Corlin Ford at right tackle and he's okay, like C plus B minus. Team might be solid, man. Watch out for Kentucky if that happens. Um, I've got some confidence in that group that they can be able to make that happen. The Ole Miss group was one that I almost put in there because, well, first off, the scheme's going to help them a ton. You get all the misdirection, all the eye candy behind the line of scrimmage, and then you add tempo. Those aid the offensive line greatly. They just do. However, Caleb Warren's played. I feel like he's been there for 11 years. Uh, Jeremy James had a good year. Jaden Williams, super, super, super athletic. Micah Pettis, super athletic. So they have talent there. It's just a matter of continuing to learn how to play the position and then operate together. They don't have that Nick Broker just like trying to push you through the sidelines on every play. Uh, a guy who wants to fight you on every snap. But it's coming around. And it's 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 a group that, that doesn't just lack physicality because of that. It's just they don't have it to the extent that he brought it on every play. But I think that old Miss group can be solid in the extra help of Priest Corn and Trigg at tight end. If they're both in and ready to go, that's going to help also. So I, I think Ole Miss, that's why they were in the discussion to be number five for me, as was Missouri. And as you guys know, that starts with Javon Foster at tackle. Now they're moving some other pieces around, you know, like Xavier Delgado and Cam Johnson, um, who they brought in. But this is a group that a lot of the guys have played a lot in this system. They just might be lining up at different places. That's where I lost a little bit of confidence. And this system will be a little bit different, but I think with what they're asked to do, it's going to be very similar. It's not going to change a whole lot. And the Marcellus Johnson kid who comes in as a transfer, he can play. We've watched him. And then Javon Foster can be dominant. So I just think this is going to be a comfort level with who moves where and then how many reps they get together heading into the season. Um, Tennessee, obviously, listen, and you, lo- you lose your best two offensive linemen. It's going to be hard for me to say that, oh, you're just going to replace those guys. Uh, Cooper Mays, the injury we talked about earlier, they got to have him in there. I don't think they have the depth. I don't know if, if Andres Kark is going to help a ton, but I do know John Campbell's going to be really good at left tackle. Like he's going to be big time. Um, and then what happens at the other side? Mincy, if he takes it, he can be fine. Dane Davis at center. I don't, I don't really know if it's not Cooper Mays. We know Javante Spraggan's got that nasty in him. He's not overly gifted, but it's okay because he plays the game the way it's supposed to be played, and we're a fan of his. This group can be good, and I do think Tennessee's offense goes to the next level when the O-line's super physical and it helps the run. Um, a lot of people don't really credit that group for that, but they had it last year. I just don't know if they're going to be up there in that top five. Uh, the Mississippi State O-line is super interesting. Uh, they've got talent, man. Like, they got guys who can play. And, like, I know Dollar Bill can play. I've seen what he can do. I think Cole Smith has that nasty. Like, he's an old-school Mississippi State offensive lineman is what he feels like. He feels like guys that, that, that I watched when I played. Uh, you know, Nick Jones will play. Uh, LaSoya, obviously, has played a little bit. We, we know what he's all about. Cam Jones has played. We know what he's capable of. There's There's experience. There's – there's guys who've played snaps together. It's just, it's going to be so different. And I got yanked into a little bit of a Twitter battle on this over the weekend. So let me clarify some things. Uh, I'll just start with this. Whether you're referencing me or Jacob Pester or anybody, the questions about being under center were valid. I haven't heard anybody say that they're not going to win six games because they might have to take a few snaps under center. I also haven't heard anyone who's even asked that question or thought about that question say that they think Mississippi State is going to be under center 85, 90, 50% of the time even. It's just something that's there that has been done. That being said, 
I also think pistol is still different. The ball's on you faster. You're at a different spot on the field. And it's why I thought the real question of relevance that I asked Will Rogers at media days was, how many times have you turned your back to the defense? In which he told me none. Now, I'm going to let you watch this play real quick from App State last year, where they're in the pistol offense. And you'll see how the back is turned to the defense. And if you were going to go play action off that, that's what it would look like when you turn back around. Also, watch that offensive line here. Going with the outside zone play, something they haven't done a ton of just yet. There is a real feel to how to run zone stuff. Like we talked about with Georgia earlier, you play a team like Missouri, who's playing north-south on you, and they're an attacking front, it can be a problem if you're not on the same page. You better be hip to hip. You better go get on and get your hat across, you know, a one technique if you got to reach them because that guard might not be helping you. There's just a lot of different things that play into that, and it's got to be repped a ton. So I think what was said about a lot of this was, one, there may be some snaps under center. What's that going to be like? Two, even if you're in pistol, which people are going to reference as gun a lot of times, that's different. More importantly, the operation of it all is very different. How you turn and hand the ball off, how you turn and fake a handoff, what the defense looks like when you turn back around, the steps that you're going to be asked to take as an offensive lineman, how many times a game you're going to be asked to do that. Even the pass that you're going to take might not be vertical like they were previously that you're doing 60, 70 times a game. So that could be a little bit different. There's just a lot of this is not going to be the same. And that's why people have concerns. So there's also a point of this that some people might not be taking into consideration that there was going to be more done under center and that operation attempt did not go well. So you pull the ripcord on it and you just don't do it anyway. So a lot of things can happen from when a guy's hired to then what he actually does in the first football game that he coaches. But nonetheless, they have a chance. And I, I like Will. I think he can be a good quarterback in any system. He just hadn't done a lot of this stuff. You got receivers like Jaden Wally, who are going to be great. I think Woody Marks, if he gets a feel for this, can be great in the zone scheme stuff. And then the pin and pull stuff, they've done a little bit of it, but they haven't done it like this. And they haven't seen the looks. That's another part of this. Like these guys are going to block, they're going to go up against defensive fronts that they haven't seen in college. And it's the recognition part's not what I'm worried about. It's the execution. You just haven't seen it operate that way. Things different take time to adjust to, acclimate to, and be comfortable with. And that's where a little bit of the concern is for it. So those are a couple of things that I just wanted to throw out with some of the offensive lines. Um, You know, the South Carolina group I am concerned about. Um, I do think you have a couple of transfers that can help. The transfer from Charlotte could be solid. This is going to be a group, though, that I think quick protection is going to be utilized more often. I think pin and pull is going to be more important in the run game. So can they move? Can they get out in space and go and find people, find defenders? That, to me, is going to be a little bit bigger here. The Vanderbilt group apparently is ahead of schedule on both sides of the ball at the line of scrimmage. O-line, D-line, from what I'm told, look good so far through fall camp. And that's a group that has a lot of veterans. And now they know who their quarterback is. And they're going to be young at running back. So the O-line is going to have to be pretty good because they're going to miss some reads. They're probably going to miss some stuff in pass pro. Uh, There's going to be some holes there that they don't hit because they're either too fast or too slow to it. But that's a group that I think has a chance to exceed some expectations. I'm trying to check and see if I if I covered everybody and I hit them all. So I just think with where some of these offenses are going, like Alabama, they want to play more bully ball. The O-line is going to be more critical there. You can't do that if you don't have that. Arkansas, is it as critical? I don't think we really know yet. 
I think it needs to be if it's, if it's going to be what I think it's going to be, because I, I do think the north-south run game is going to be more prevalent and something that they want to do more often. Um, Auburn's group's got to be better no matter what. It doesn't matter if they're running triple option. It doesn't matter if they're running air raid. It doesn't matter if they're running, you know, what we ran in 1997. It's, they just got to be better, period, point blank. Uh, the Florida group is they're not going to be able to rely on a mobile quarterback, a dynamic running quarterback as much, even though they didn't run him a ton towards the beginning of last year. So that's got to go because that's going to help the quarterback even more with what you want to do. Uh, Kentucky, we know it was the one thing that they that, that really, really, really let them down a year ago. It's got to be better. Uh, Missouri in the new offense, I think that group's got to be solid. Um, they need to be less dominant and more understanding of just how to not let free runners get through and, and, and how to hold up for a little bit of time for a quarterback to be able to make some decisions uh, because they'll add the other stuff that's going to be able to help the offense be successful. Tennessee, same way. They can offset the offensive line if they need to, but I really just don't think that thing goes at full strength until the offensive line is playing really well. And then it just really gets ramped up. I think a lot depends on A&M's group. I really do. Because you have receivers that you're going to want to take advantage of down the field. Bobby likes to stretch the field. It's one thing he's going to do. He is going to give you more happening pre-snap that will help that group, but they're going to have to hold up. Whether it's play action, whether it's coming off the RPO game and then trying to take shot plays, it's it's got to be there. They're going to be critical in going out and A&M winning a ton of football games this year. So there's just so much like Georgia's offense is not going to change at all. Van Pran told us at media days, the terminology is the same, the, the, the offense is the same, but can they get anywhere close to what that group was towards the end of last year for multiple reasons? Not just bludgeoning you running the football, but allowing your offense to run as many different plays as they were last year. A lot of that's going to depend on that group, in my opinion. So Georgia, LSU, Bama, A&M, Arkansas, my top five SEC offensive lines heading into 2023. Some offensive line talk kind of about each and every team, why it's important, where it is, some camp news for you guys. That's what we got. So we appreciate you being with us at Cube Show, Instagram, Twitter. Please go follow on there. Also at Cube Show 61 on YouTube, uh, at The Cube Show on TikTok. We're there. Um, probably trying to make some things happen with that, but we'll see what we can get done. And we got some big news coming up for you this week. As always, thank you for tuning in. And we'll be back next Sunday. <laughs>